CapsCorner.com podcast, CapsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com, coming to you live from the Pledge of Franklin Estates in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, May the 22nd. June is like right over there. It's like so close. Football season, like, is, is it's not like close yet, but it's like kind of close. Like, you can sort of see it if you squint your eyes really hard. Um, but it can't come fast enough if you if you have a podcast that has to record every week. Um, but this week we actually have a, a I think a, a really good idea as well as you know we, we came off of the the draft no uh, no humble brag from yours truly on that one uh, but then I, I forget whether which one of my two comrades here it was their idea but we'll give credit to somebody uh, we're gonna do a Q and A episode folks on the board probably saw the thread if you you got a chance to to get a question we're we're gonna get to a lot to a lot of them we're not gonna get to all of them. Uh, a couple of them we're probably going to answer really quickly, uh, so you have to stick around to find out about that. Um, before we get started and talk a little bit about University Hall, uh, let's go around and introduce everybody up in Fishersville. David Spence is on the show. How are you, my friend? I'm doing just peachy, Brad. I'd appreciate you not like rushing June because my vacation falls between now and the beginning of June. So that sounds like a personal that problem. Thing <laughs> as long as possible. Who days on the board at Who days on Twitter? And for now, at least, up in Arlington, staff writer Justin Ferber, also on this year' program. How are you, my friend? Yeah, we can go ahead and skip through this part of the year. Um, I don't. Sorry, Dave. Uh, <laughs> I I hate moving. It's like the worst thing in the world. Uh, but it's almost done. So looking forward to football season and all the stuff that'll come before that. Many beers will be had this weekend. <laughs> At Justin underscore Ferber and uh, Cats Corner also on Twitter. Well, you didn't actually say Twitter, but anyway, Cass Corner also on Twitter. Yeah, Cass, you know what I meant. You know, you know the people know the people. That's get not it. like my my middle name is an underscore. That would be hilarious though if you were actually Justin underscore Ferber. That would be amazing. Well, somebody's sitting, somebody's sitting on Justin Ferber at Justin Ferber. So. Somebody's sitting on at Cavs Corner too. Um, but at this point, I mean, it's part of my brand. Uh, Cavs underscore Corner, great place for the in-game updates, content items, and uh, the occasional witty banter. Um, or last weekend, me learning lacrosse, which was fun. Uh, side note, I uh, I was at lacrosse interviews today for a magazine story I'm writing, and I am sunburned beyond belief. So if you randomly hear me uh, just whining in the background or some sort of, you know, some sort of, uh, uh, I don't know, fit because the fan won't work right, uh, it's because I'm burning up. I am sitting here sweating, and it's all my fault, and, and I just wanted to complain about it for a minute. All right, University Hall, the aforementioned uh, – as uh, Steve Kirkwood, who is going to be a contributor at CapsCorner.com, spoiler alert, uh, referred to it uh, in a piece that will run Friday, the the pregnant clam, which I think is a, a thing that was attributed in the story to Steve, uh, Steve, wow, to Ted Jeffries, but I'm guessing Ted's not, <laughs> I don't think Ted's the first one that came up with that, but now I can't not see it. Um, when I was in Charlottesville today, I just was like, oh, look, it's a pregnant clam. Um, and now I'm, I'm going to be sad. I, I guess I want to gauge sort of for for the three of us, I think for Ferber and I, like we, we started watching Virginia basketball when Virginia was still playing at U Hall. Um, but the vast majority, I would guess of our, our basketball <laughs> memories are JPJ, right? Are you saying Dave goes back to mem Jim? <laughs> uh, Peach baskets and MGM. no, 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 no. That's when I started. But, I, but I, but I, the reason I'm, I'm, the reason I'm starting this conversation this way is I, I think you two are very, are different from me in the sense that one, you, you don't grow beards and then two, you have this incredible ability to like recall games in ways I can't. Like, if I said to you, like, oh, when they played Georgia Tech and such and such and such on third and seven, Ferber would be like, yeah, they ran a toss. Like, it, like it's ridiculous the recall you guys have about games. 
I'm curious when you think of University Hall, like for me, I have my own personal memories there, right? Like I went to basketball camp there and all that kind of fun stuff, right? But like I'm guessing you guys have deeper memories just because the way that you guys can recall games. My, I'm, I'm assuming Dave's are, are a little bit deeper. I guess I just want to start the conversation there. What, what does University Hall mean to you and, and, and how broken up are you to see the old girl go? I mean, I mean, that's where I started, you know, becoming a Virginia fan. That's you whole, you know, Samson, I was in my nine or 10 years old when Samson was there, you know, between seven and 10 when he was there. So that's my formative years. That's what my oldest daughter is now. And that's why she's going to be a Virginia fan forever. So you didn't get to see them play as much back then because God forbid they did not have cable television, you know, and if you didn't, if it didn't come on the right station, your antenna may not have a clear reception. Um, and a whole lot of games weren't televised. So when I got a chance to see them play, that's that arena, that floor is how I remember my first memories of Virginia basketball. Um, and then as I got older, watching them play when games were televised more often, just, you know, I, I've mentioned it a hundred times on the podcast, but the Richard Morgan game um, against Carolina in 89, like, I mean, he hit a shot that was Steph Curry, like, you know, and th- that memory is like blazoned in my, in my mind. That's why I bring it up so often. And then when I was a student at UVA, we're still playing in U-Haul in the Jeff, Jeff Jones era, um, leading into the Pete Gillen era. And, you know, I camped out, you know, studied and waiting to get into games. Um, I'll save it for after you guys are done, but I can't remember if I've ever told my, I, I feel like I've told this story before, but my most like crazy memory of U-Haul involves a, a med school buddy of mine getting choked by a Carolina player pregame. Did I ever tell that story on the podcast? No, that is definitely, you've definitely never what? said that. And suddenly nothing, I, no, suddenly nothing I'm going to say in any way, shape, or form is going to be anywhere as good, but we're going to hold people because that's a tease. I, I don't yeah. like it. Uh, yeah. Ferber, what about you? What are your, what are, what are your sort of thoughts on, 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 uh, on the, um, on Ralph's house going down? Uh, <laughs> well, I think it's kind of funny and everybody, like you said, has their own, version of their memories there and all that stuff you know i i probably i i, I could probably count the times i went to games at u-haul like i don't know less than 20 um for me jpj is the home of uva basketball like um i mean obviously i can't i can't speak to what happened like before i it was consciously like before I know, you know, what was going on. My first game there was there. Uh, that like my first major sporting event probably that I ever went to was there. Um, but I don't really remember much from it. Uh, I remember a few games I went to there, but most of them were losses. Um, they were pretty mediocre then. Like they either beat the crap out of a non conference opponent or they lost um, pretty much every game I went to there. Honestly, the things I remember most about that building were like playing pickup there um, or going in there. Do you go to the bathroom while I was tailgating at U-Haul <laughs> um, <laughs> in the years after they closed? Up. Yeah. I mean, so to me, my relationship with the, I don't have a sentimental um, approach to that building. It's an eyesore and they should have taken it down years ago. Um, I'm not going to get sentimental now about a building that hasn't been used for 13 years. I said my goodbyes to UVA or to University Hall back when it closed and they stopped using it. I kind of think that, all right, I went to basketball camp there and we're not going to get into all of the things, uh, the experiences that I had, some of them good and some of them not, but I will also, uh, as a way to move on from that, I will say that, um, I, I, 
I remember one of my earliest memories was my ch- my sister was a cheerleader for our, our um, she's several years older than me, but for the high school that we went to, she was a cheerleader, and the basketball team there went to the state championship game, and that was played at U Hall, and that was I remember going to games there, but that was the first time that I like really spent a lot of time in a co- in a college arena, like, and I just remember feeling so small, right, and it's really funny because JPJ is so much larger, right. And then for, you know, to come off of the experience that, that, that I had, you know, in Minneapolis and to be, you know, down on the floor in, in front of, you know, you know, that, that huge of a place. But I remember that also too, because that's where the, that's the first place I ever saw Allen Iverson was in the state championship. Uh, They played, I'm pretty sure they played before Greensville did. And so, I remember him dunking, and that was actually a clip that ended up in a in a Reebok commercial. Um, but I, I I think that my my connection to U Hall is that it just it was always this place. It just always sounded, sort of felt like this part of the school. And not, I, I mean, Ferber's not going to get said. I'm I'm a sentimental guy. Like I, you know, I I cry in movies. I don't care. Um, I, I I'm I'm going to be sad. You know, one of the reasons I think that I want to go on Saturday. Uh, is so so that I can be there, even though I don't think it's going to be. I mean, honestly, the during the presser Monday, somebody asked some question about it being underwhelming, and I, I kind of think that when you think of like a building going down, like you, there are lots of things that come to your mind. I don't think it's going to be like that. I think that it's going to be relatively low key, other than just the initial sound of it. But uh, as as a kid who grew up going to Virginia games, U Hall was. You know, one it was a place you you typically parked when you were walking to football games. But in, in you know going to basketball games there, it was a heck of an experience, man. Um, I loved that place uh, in the games that I went to, and uh, personally, I'm gonna be sad to to see it go. I, I do want before Dave goes on to his thing, I, I mentioned Steve Kirkwood a few minutes ago. He put together what I think is an incredible stat package, and there's really no good place for me to use it outside of his uh, his story that'll run later this week. So I thought I'd talk about it a little bit on the pod. The arena opened in 65 with Adolph Rupp on the other sideline. Um, so that meant that uh, the all-time winningest coach in men's college basketball, Adolph Rupp, faced Virginia before the all-time winningest coach in men's basketball history, Dean Smith, faced them, before the all-time winningest coach in men's basketball history, Mike Krzyzewski, faced them. In total, six of the top eight and 12 of the top 25 coaches in all-time college wins on the Division One level coached at U-Haul. That doesn't include Jim Calhoun, Roy Williams, Eddie Sutton, Lefty Drizel, Lute Olson, Cliff Ellis, Denny Crum, Rick Barnes, and Mike Montgomery. That's 8,926 wins between those 12 guys um, with very, you know, with obviously a few of them being, um, you know, uh, wins for the other team at, at U-Haul. Uh, outside of that, you had several, you know, 500-win coaches, Gary Williams, Norm Stewart, Bobby Crimmins, Bob McKillop, Leonard Hamilton, Frank McGuire, Pete Carroll, uh, Mike Bray, and John Chaney, as excuse me, as well as Nolan Richardson, um, and then you know you think about some of the other ones. Roly Massimino was the coach there. Jim Ivano. So there's a lot of history that's in that building. That obviously, you know, if you've been watching the videos and, and such over the last few weeks as they continue to to demo it, it it's something. Um, but I just think that it's really interesting to think that you know all of the different sort of pieces of college basketball history that came through that venue. And like I said, I'll, I'll be sad to see it go. All right, Dave, tell me about a time that somebody got choked. <laughs> oh, this is a good story. Like, you know, U-Haul, if, if you were a student, you know, you got to – it was first come, first serve seating behind the basket. So 
we would go down. Um, I was in med school at the time, so we would go down at the end of class. So we, big games, especially, but the Carolina game, I believe it was 97. It may have been 98, um, but it was early, early in my med school time. Um, so we w- took our books and went down and we're studying. We were like second in line. Um, team wasn't that great. They weren't terrible, but they weren't great. And so we got in early. We got front row seats under the basket. Carolina had Vince Carter and, um, Vince, if you ever got to see Vince in college, like I've always liked Vince Carter, and a lot of it has to do with how he treated Virginia fans. Like he was the friendliest dude. He would talk to you, and he would do these crazy acrobatic moves, like behind his back. All the stuff you saw in the dunk contest, he would do it pregame, except he would lay it in, you know, right at the end and kind of take it away. And then fans would ooh and ah, and he'd just tease him with the finger roll. Um, so he was out doing that, kind of getting everyone going. It was a big game. But, you know, it had to be 97 because I think we beat them, so it had to be 97. Um, so the crowd, you know, the students were kind of getting into it. And then Vince's group finished warming up, and, you know, he came and did like a free throw line dunk before the game, um, their early warm-ups. And the crowd, went, you know, even the Virginia fans, like, clapped because it was crazy. Uh, and then this second wave of guys came out to warm up. And there's this player named um, – Naktar Njai. Uh, I believe Mac- he had a brother who played Mac- him. Maktar Jai, for the record. Maktar Jai, yeah. Um, like a, a role player for them. But he was he was a complete prick, man. He, he would just stand. He spoke very broken English, but he was talking trash. Like He'd just walk by you and be like, UVA sucks. Going to beat you guys. Um, and he just kept running his mouth. And my, my buddy who was with me, he's, a, he's from Tennessee. Um, a lot, like a loud Southern voice and Noctar just wouldn't, you know, Maktar wouldn't show Noctar and Maktar, how you pronounce it. He just wouldn't stop talking to the crowd and he's at the free throw line, like just chirping, just talking about how they're going to beat us and everything else. And my buddy does nothing but yell, why don't you, you know, he looked at his free throw percentage, like 48%. He's like, you need to stop running your mouth and work on your free throws. That's all he said. He really just said in that loud Southern voice. And this dude charged at him from the free throw line off the court to our first row seats and grabbed him by the neck. Vince Carter, who's in the tunnel, comes running across the court and grabs him and pulls him off. And I'm trying to like fight this six nine guy off my buddy. Um, this was pre cell phone days. If this had, like I can't imagine, it would have been the lead story on Sports Center that night. You know, if, if there had been video, but it's one of my <laughs> craziest memories from there. He and I laughed about it the last time. My buddy and I laughed about it the last time I saw him. He's still like, he can't. He keeps asking every time we talk about it. He's like, did I say something to provoke him? I, I don't feel like I did. I'm like, no, he just said that. Um, but yeah, that was my single craziest memory of you all. Uh, so wait, hold on, pause. Beat him pretty handily. So, so wait, pause. Go back. So yeah. So you kept Maktar Jai from killing a guy? Is that what you're telling me? Uh, Maktar, if he wanted to kill him, he could have. Um, I mean, people... <laughs> That's a guy Vince that I Carter. never would have. I never would have remembered that guy ever again. If no, you that's the only thing I remember. About and now, him. Man, and his now his hands only... were like he could have single. Like my buddy is about you know he's probably five ten, five eleven. Not a small guy, um, but basically, uh, Nectar's hands were touching around his neck. Like that's how big that dude is. So he could have crushed his windpipe if he really wanted to. I feel like this episode like, suddenly needs disclaimers. I feel like we should yeah. say that uh, all views expressed allegedly, in, uh, allegedly all views expressed in this podcast are, <laughs> are not necessarily indicative of CavsCorner.com, rivals.com or anyone who could be the seen. university of Virginia. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's nuts, man. Yeah, but, but Vince came, Vince came and like got him and calmed him down and like, 
know, apologized to my buddy and shook his hand and just shook his Vince was like shaking his head the whole time they walk off. That the would be a great story if you ever like ran into Vince Carter somewhere. Oh uh, yeah, or something. Yeah. Do you remember that time yeah, you remember, were Virginia remember, Max Harjama was killed a dude? Yeah. He'd probably, he'd probably be like, that wasn't the only time or something yeah. like that. <laughs> it couldn't have been. I mean, that guy had a short fuse, man. So yeah, anyway. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, the thing's going to be weird for me. Like, I feel like I'm over the sentimental part of the building because when we moved to JPJ, we kind of had to deal with all that. And let's be honest, the team wasn't yeah, I mean, a great trajectory so at the now. end. Like, that's why I don't care because it's just like it, yeah. they, they stopped playing there. They're, it's just an empty building now. Like, they haven't played in there in 13 years well, or whatever. They, they had camps and stuff. And then, uh, honestly, I used to – they'd send us to work in there a lot. Um, like, at, after football asbestos. practice and stuff like that. So, yeah, <laughs> basically UVA is going to get – he's going to kill me. Um but you know, I mean, that's a fair point. I, like I said, I, 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 I will never just not be able to look. I mean, until it's not there. But you know, if I look at that building, I just you know, I have the connection, so I can't. You know, the weirdest thing is going to be coming up state. You know, when you're driving towards JPJ, and when you come up near the bridge, you're not going to see the clam. Well, that, yeah, that's yeah, I think it will thing. be weird not yeah. seeing it there. Yeah. Like that definitely will be strange. That's um, what's going to hit me. Looking across from JPJ and seeing grass fields or whatever it's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we will be there 10 a.m. Lord willing, and the creek don't rise. Um, and uh, Brad sure, will be there. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. By we, I meant those of us who will be there, and I didn't mean the three of us because I'll be there. Um, but they won't. Um, before we get to the uh, question and answer portion of the program, let me take a pause real quick and thank our sponsor for the evening, Thorium Wealth. Do you own a small business? Do you have a hard time finding partners to help with the kinds of problems that you face every day? Thorium Wealth is the business owner's financial partner. Data-driven personal service focused solely on the needs of small business owners makes Thorium Wealth different. The advisors at Thorium Wealth have spent more than 35 years working with the unique financial challenges that business owners face every single day. Unleash the power of Thorium Wealth to help you and your business grow and prosper. You can visit thoriumwealth.com for more information and full disclosures. That's T-H-O-R-I-U-M wealth.com for more information. Our thanks to Thorium Wealth for their support of this show and all of CavsCorner.com. So let's get to the to the to the Q and A portion of the program. I, I want to thank everybody out there who did get into the thread and toss uh, some of these our way. Um, we will do our best to flex the dad bod on you on can these, on these. You you can tell us the boring time of the year because of the number of questions that were put in that thread. <laughs> well, you know what's yeah. really funny is that like I specifically was like, hey, you know, don't do that thing where you're like, hey, what do you think, you know, of this specific recruit. Um, and I, folks did a really nice job. I was actually very, uh, very happy with, um, with, with what they sent. Um, we're going to start with, uh, JH Mossy has a worst case scenario. Tony Bennett leaves for the NBA or another college job. Who would be on UVA's radar to replace them? Um, a whole lot of dudes. Um, let's just all pick one guy and let's assume that it happens now. Cause I mean, you know, it'd be like three years from now or some nonsense or how are we supposed to, you know, who, who, who's good. I don't know. Um, my guess would be that they would initially start in the in the tony bennett tree so what's ron sanchez doing at charlotte is jason wilford still on the staff here what's he doing wherever he has been um and i think too it, it could be a question of who's on the staff at that point um is there somebody who could be the next guy up if there was a coach out there that i mean until i mean honestly until they took chris clark i would have said chris beard um i'm not i'm not sure that there's a college coach out there that I would want Virginia to go after. Um, are there, is there a college coach that you guys would, would like, and again, I know that this is uh, somewhat odd because we're tra- talking about, you know, potential for the future, but right now, is there a college coach that you would say Virginia has to go and, and talk to him? 
I, I mean, don't think Beard anybody's would be my first choice, but go ahead. Who? Oh, Chris Beard. Beard. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think he would leave Texas Tech for UVA. But no. um, I mean, if you yeah, if you want to be like in the realism ballpark, then it's it's tricky because it, right now I don't think there's a ton of slam dunk options, and you see that in other people's searches. I mean, UCLA just hired Mick Cronin. Like that's fine, but I mean that's not gonna wow anybody Michigan I mean the Juwan Howard at hire could work I mean but it's not like they had a list of other people to choose from that were like clearly better I thought so um yeah I mean it's it's tricky right now Uh, I'm interested to see what Nate Oates does at Alabama that's a guy to watch I think he did a really good job at Buffalo um but yeah I mean right now it's like you're either hiring a guy like that or you're just trying to pick off another guy from like another major program um, you know, like like if Beeline wanted to change, for example, before he had gone to Cleveland or something like that. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of college guys that would, you know, realistic guys you can get in college. Um, I agree with Brad. Like Chris Beer would have been on my list. The whole Chris Clark thing kind of makes me question a little bit there. Um, Beeline would have been on my list too. Uh, Brad Stevens, if he ever comes back to college, would be number one on my list. Uh, so, I mean, there's yeah, I, I just I wouldn't consider him just because I don't think he, that's realistic. But yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, if you wanted fired. the job, yeah. you could you take it, you know, whatever. So I mean, Brad Stevens is probably the one non-college guy that I mean. Ultimately, I think you're you're probably going to start with you know somebody who fits UVA, and that's not necessarily going to be every coach. And I think too, what Tony has shown is that you can you can do big things at UVA, but I think it does take the right coach. I don't think like you know you're just going to run in and and throw a ball out there. You're going to have to have somebody who teaches, somebody who, who handles things the way Tony does. I, I think if you if you're plugged in at all with alumni, like even before the national title, I mean they they love the guy. But a lot of that was because of the not just the product he put on the court, but also to the the sort of program in general. Um, so I think like Ron Sanchez makes the most sense to me just because yeah, of his connections, you know, and at that point you're hoping that he's having some success, whether he's still at Charlotte or what have you. But, you know, I would imagine that it would be somewhere somewhat on that, um, that Bennett tree. Um, second question comes from Grafton 19. I don't know who that dude is. Will the offense change again with the post now coming into the program um, with the, or with the ball screen uh, or the ball screen action we ran this past season evolve more? That's a really good question. I kind of think that next year, with Virginia's personnel, I mean, frankly, we don't really know who the personnel will be, so it's hard to say what the offense will be. You know they're going to have to feature Braxton Key more. You know that they're going to have to figure out ways for, for Kihei Clark to make more of an offensive impact. And then, obviously, you know, Braxton Key, Jay Huff, um, even some of the young kids coming in, the guys you do know that are going to be on the roster, it, it, I don't think they're going to be able to have as much freedom, I think, is the, is the one thing that I, can, that I feel really confident about. You know, I think with Ty Jerome, Kyle Guy, and even Dre out there, there's just a significant amount of freedom that they that they were able to play with. I don't know if that's going to be the way it is. So, um, I, yeah, right now, I, I think that's 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 the the answer I'll give. And and when the when the roster completes, I'll I'll uh, I reserve the right to adjust. What do you guys think, Ferber? Yeah, I think the same exact thing. Um, I think that he kind of gave those guys some leeway to try some new stuff and more free-flowing stuff and i think that this year they'll probably scale that back a bit regardless of who plays just because no matter who it is it's not going to be those three guys with all that experience and talent i mean you're going to have a a maturing period if you have casey morsell playing a lot of minutes or will detency 
I mean, it doesn't matter. Um, I think that you'll see a lot more blocker mover and a lot more base set sort of stuff. You know, and, and see if they master that, then then maybe he gives them a little bit more freedom as the season goes on. Yeah. What do you think, Dave? <clears throat> My gut says you guys are right. Like, you know, I think blocker mover is what we'll start with. The only reason I'm not 100% sure that it will stick around is just, you know, the blocker mover kind of depends on your movers being really good shooters. And, you know, when you're replacing Kyle Guy and Todd Jerome and Dre Hunter with, you know, basically Braxton Key, Kihei Clark, and and either Morcel or Wilden Tensei, um, you know, I don't know how efficient they will be shooting the ball. So, and I don't know how Huff works in that set. And right. you have to assume he's going to be a big part. Huff was most dangerous on the on the empty side ball screen. So, um, I think you'll see a little bit what we did last year you know, with them kind of tinkering around in the in the uh, non conference schedule. But I think when it comes down to games, he'll figure out the lineup that allows him to run blocker move for the most. Yeah, that's probably true. Um, the third question on my list is from uh, Jaw. I never know how to say this out as a word. J A W eight Y K. Is it supposed to be? I don't know. Um, dude, when you figure out how you're supposed to say that and let me know. I always saw it as Jayhawk. I did but too, but that's not, that's not what it says. Not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. He's asking a question and I'm guessing it's, it's about lacrosse. So my guess is that you guys are not going to have much on this, but I do actually have something to say for this. Um, he wanted us to talk a little bit more about, uh, the, the comeback against Maryland, um, and the upcoming final four and mainly the direction of the program. One thing I thought was really interesting. So for this magazine story, I'm writing for Cavalier corner. Uh, if you're a VAF member, apparently you get that, um, is, that Kraus and, and Docs, like they committed to UVA in early in their high school career and then didn't even look around, didn't even look around through the coaching change. And which, as a recruiting football basketball, I was like, wait, what? Like a, a guy's a position coach can leave, right? And he's like, oh, no, no I got to open this up. But apparently in lacrosse, you, you really do commit to a school and you don't really necessarily care so much about who the, the coach is. And there's some kid who was committed to, um, I want to say it was Hopkins, and then switched to UVA because he he wanted to go where Lars was, but he didn't want to go to Brown. Um, I I think Lars is an incredibly engaging dude. Um, he he seems to 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 play a really um, exciting brand of lacrosse. Uh, that was definitely not a goal, and that's the first lacrosse game that I've ever watched from start to finish. Um, and I I don't know if that happens regularly, but apparently there was some some discrepancy earlier where there was a Maryland goal that Virginia thinks shouldn't have been so ultimately um i think lars is the right guy uh and the direction seems to be great i mean if, he, if you're able to pull in t- kids even when they were like they were losing or whatever and they still came like if you have a coach who has a good system and you're and you're going to the final four i think you're going to be fine i also loved he was like i hate replay in all sports i want to get rid of replay uh and he was just like blanket like i don't care what sport it is like you just get rid of it like we, we try our best to get it right if we mess up oh well and i was like you know what Props to you for having a position, even if it doesn't necessarily always make sense. Um, Pete Heminski wants to know who our favorite posters are. Um, uh, I'm, I'm definitely not answering that. Um, and I'm definitely not telling you who my least favorite is either. Um, all right. How long until the second title? And what do you think it would take to win in football? I think how long until the second title is hard because who knows, right? Like that's, I mean, I, I, I would imagine that if they have the 20, they have the kind of 2020 class that they want to have, which is like 16, they'll be in that mix. But I, I also think that to, to – Well, why, to, don't, why don't we just set an over-under and you can just go over-under? I'll set it at nine and a half years. <laughs> nine and a half years. Okay, Dave, what about you? What do you say? Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the under. Yeah. 
Nine and a half? I think I mean, if it's going to happen, it would happen under. Yeah, that's what I was yeah, going to say. Yeah, that, see, that's, that's how I would bet, too. I would go under just because if I think if they're going to win another one, it's probably going to be either soon, like within the next like half decade or six or seven years, um, or it will be like 20 years from now. <laughs> like, I mean, it could be like a long time. Um, I do think, and this is not, I don't know anything, but... I do think that within the next decade, Tony will probably go to the NBA um, and give it a shot. But I'm, you know, I'm not 100 percent sure. Uh, but so that's kind of where I, my thought process would be on that. I think the longer it goes, the less likely it becomes. Almost after this season, which I think will be a gap season. All right. Um, let's see. Uh, <laughs> B. Kirby wants to, wants to know, will the NCAA do anything with regards to the FBI investigation? I think we should all just, on three, say no. Um, yeah, we are clearly no. part of Pete's question. The football. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. What do you think of the one in football? I think that, look, it, they can be competitive. I think if you look at what Clemson has done in recruiting, what Alabama has done in recruiting, like, it, I'm sorry, like, Maybe there were people who 10 years ago didn't think Virginia basketball would ever win a national championship. Basketball is a very different thing. Football, unless for some reason Virginia starts rolling off 10, 11 win seasons and they're able to clean. The only way to do it is to clean up in the state of Virginia. And even then, you would be really hard-pressed, I think. And so I just don't – I don't. Th- I, what would it take? Um, some sort of different division – that that took <laughs> out some of the SEC teams and put them in there. Like I just like on a one on a one game situation, sure to do it against a whole season and win. Ugh, I don't think so. Yeah, I, I don't see it happening um, in my lifetime. And if there's anybody from the football yeah. side of things that's listening to this uh, and thinks we're being ridiculous, um, I, my apologies and go go prove me wrong. Yeah. The national championship. Well, I mean, I'm how many, uh, that's great and everything, but I mean, just look at the math, like. Yeah. When's the like last time a team? A when's the last time a team did what UVA basketball just did in football? Um, oh, I had that answer until you just asked. Like me. came up out of nowhere and won. Uh, Georgia Tech in ninety. Yeah. Ninety one. Okay. 90, that season. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that back was had, we, that's back two had a two national national champion. Yeah. Like they didn't even win it. Like they didn't even have like they didn't have a national championship game then. No. No. That, yeah. that was it. You know. So I mean, I think the only way it happens is. <laughs> If you like, I think Virginia can win a program that definitely has a chance to win the coastal. I don't, and maybe occasionally beat like a weak Clemson or a weak Florida State, whoever the Atlantic team is. It's really good. Uh, I don't think that's out of the question, but I mean, I think the only way it could ever happen in football is if you have that core group that's good enough to compete for the coastal, but you get, I don't want to use his name, but get what Tech had in, in number seven, just a generational transcendent talent. Yeah talent at the quarterback position that's the that but even even with that tech couldn't win it against a subpar bobby bowden florida state team compared to what he had around it so it just shows you how hard it was that Florida, that virginia tech team with with vic had a lot of talent a lot of virginia talent they weren't five-star talent but they had a lot of developed talent played a weak schedule got florida state and then florida state with God, who was their starting quarterback that game sean ricks maybe Winky? Okay. So, I mean, it wasn't even one of their best teams, and they still managed to win it. Yeah, so. that was like a Peter Work special. Yeah, that, the Work <laughs> punt return, yeah. It's, yeah. Um, um, no, that's what I'm saying. I think that I think that back then, too, it was probably easier to do what they did. And I'm not trying to diminish it at all, but um, I'm sure the listeners wouldn't mind if I did. Um, but, 
like I think that back then it was easier to kind of keep guys home and then like maybe steal a couple of five star type players or now it's like they all seem to go to like four schools. So, I mean, and that's fine, but it's it's just harder to break through that way and and yeah, and like Brad said, unless something unless they like expand the playoff to 16 teams and then maybe one year where there's just like, you know, they finish like 10 and 2 and then there's some chaos in the playoff or something under the rules that we have now in the playoff format and everything else, I don't I don't see it being on the table. But that doesn't mean that you can't have a good program that doesn't compete for ACC title. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I mean, like, if Virginia wins eight, nine games a year, challenges for the Coastal, pushes for, you know, getting to Charlotte, something they still have yet to do. Like, that's all – that's really – I mean, like, that's great. Like, yeah. that's a lot of success. And you'll put – and you'll have a lot of good kids that come through your program that play at the next level. Like, there, there's plenty. Like, football is just a different animal. Um, and you need – I mean, like, it's not like basketball where you – like, what? Virginia had three, four kids who were incredibly special, and then they melded together with the right pieces around them and that – you know, And maybe, like, the best coach in the country. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and, like – and they also had an incredible run. Like, just the, the Purdue ending. And then you had everything at Auburn, against Auburn. And then, obviously, like – a lot had to happen for them to get the first one. I mean, or to get the the, the first one of the the two revenue sports. So I'm not going to get too bent out of shape if if. Uh, and and also, that. like, I mean, if you just think about the nature of the sports, like, I mean, they played Texas Tech in the national championship game. They they played Auburn in the final four. So obviously, there's just way more parity in the even in the postseason. Right. And the way the tournament is set up, right? You know, does it's set up for that purpose? I mean, Butler played in back to back national championship games. Right. That would cool. never happen. That would be like. That would be like Bowling Green playing in the college football playoff, <laughs> or something like that. Um, yeah, I know. I know. It sounds a lot like when Tony was hired. We said, if we could just you know be competitive in the ACC and win an ACC championship every now and then, make a run in the Final Four, <laughs> make a run in the tourney. It's a different animal. It, it just is, and that's no slight to Bronco or anyone else. Uh, the way the amount of we joked about the FBI investigation in basketball, but the amount of cheating that can happen in football for 85 scholarship spots like there's just it's just hard and short of short of the the next bo jackson you know a bo jackson type a thorter thor himself playing quarterback like it's it's gonna be hard i don't expect to see it all right next question is from nwg 182 he's asking about or here i guess i don't can't tell if that's a he or she they're asking about um kyle guy carson mccorkle comparisons um look I am not all right. I'm not saying that you can't compare a kid to to somebody, right? But let's be real. Kyle Guy just finished as the most outstanding player of the Final Four, won a national championship. Being the next Kyle Guy is not just like some walk in the park, right? And I'm not saying don't put don't put any pressure on a kid, but like can can if you want to say he like he kind of plays like Kyle Guy, but like the way that this thing happens, and I realized I ran a story today, in full disclosure, I didn't uh, that audio came from uh, my buddy Clint Jackson, uh, who was down in Southern Jam Fest. I, I I don't think that the thing, just judging from Carson's reaction, it's not something that he he particularly enjoys. Like he just wants to be himself. Uh, it kind of seems like to me. I say there are some comparisons. I think he's actually a nice mold, a me, like a meld between Ty Jerome and Kyle Guy. He's like a he has a lot of elements to his game from both. Um, but I think he's going to be a different sort of player in part because of the guys who went before him. Like, he can't just be Kyle Guy. He can't just be Kyle Guy slash Ty Jerome. He has to be better than that in order to, in, in my opinion at least, to 
to really for, for people to to truly for, for him to really get to a place where he he wants to be, which is to be to that level. Like, I don't think you can just you can't just follow in the footsteps. you got to you know go your own way. And, and, and I think maybe those comparisons will drive him. Um, but I, I, I don't know if if it's as, as spot on as a lot of people seem to think. Uh, Ferber, what do you think of this? Do you see Kyle Guy in Carson McCorkle? Yeah, I mean, I think what you said is spot on. I think if if you're saying maybe he could fill that role, I think that's completely fair. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think that you can't just expect a guy to show up and be as good as – I mean, he's one of the best players in UVA basketball history. And could Carson McCorkle be one of the best? Sure. I mean, but you're you're projecting, I mean, at that point. It, it, and obviously he's he's doing well right now on the AAU circuit and everything, and he's going to reclassify and we'll see where he ends up in the rankings and all of that. But, I mean, Kyle was an, an All-American. He, you know, he's Indiana Mr. Basketball. So McDonald's All-American. I mean, come on. Right, yeah, he, he played in the McDonald's All-American game. Um, and I'm not, I'm not saying that to diminish anything that Carson's done or will do. Um, I know that people are probably going to bang the table and say, like, he's going to be this good. He's going to – that's fine. Um, I just think that the bar is really high if you're saying Kyle Guy because that's a, that's a high bar. Um, and, I, you know, if people want to put that on him, that's, that's fine. But, and I, and I, uh, but just be careful because even Kyle took – I mean, he, he had a decent freshman year. He had some ups and downs. Um, but he took his lumps, and then he got better his sophomore and yeah. junior year. I want to say before Dave sounds off on this one, um, I, I understand too that like maybe this question is not meant to be as literal as it maybe come came across, or maybe it was what I wrote down. So if if, if not, my apologies. I, I do think that maybe because of the amount of you know comp- the, the amount of places where I, I, we've seen that, that maybe we are a little bit more sensitive to it than maybe most. So let me just take a step back and say, um, I think Carson has a similar sort of his shot if you watch him his sh- his shot in some ways is similar it's it's obviously not at all because of you know he's just he's he's taller um than than Kyle he won't be in cert- in sort of a physical situation i think he's he's a little bit more explosive off the floor um he seems to have a little bit better handle at this stage um i also think that Kyle guy came in with a different sort of chip on his shoulder that you probably would rather Carson not need to to develop over time uh, because, you know, he's playing on Garner road probably has one of the best five AU teams in the country right now. Um, they're just really, they're really good. Um, and so he's going to be tested in a, in a, in, and not, that's not to say Indiana elite wasn't that great on the cir- on the circuit, but I just think that uh, their, their routes will be different. There's a lot to, there is a lot in Carson's game that seems reminiscent, but also to, I think he wants to be a more complete player, especially off the bounce. Um, that was something he talked about when uh, when Clint caught up with him. Anyway, Dave, what do you what do you think on this? Yeah, I mean, I think you guys touched most of it. I, I mean, like from the literal thing, I don't think it's fair to either guy. Like, it's, you know, Carson hasn't had a chance to, you know, to get into the system, see what he's going to be. And Kyle God did too much to be compared to a guy who hasn't played a, <laughs> a dribble and hadn't played, you know, a single second of college basketball. But for the more apt comparison, I think if anything, Kyle showed you showed a way for a, a player who's kind of known as a shooter, you know, with a little bit of handle to figure out how to how to you know how to thrive in in Virginia's offense that's often been you know pooped on by by the media for its pace, um, you know, efficiency. Whether whether Carson can do that, I don't know. Um, you you mentioned the chip on Kyle's shoulder, which is one thing I was going to bring up, like. Like the chip on the shoulder is a tough thing to bear, but if it's what motivates you um, 
does Carson have that same motivation? And then the environment you're in, right? Like you think about Kyle and how he progressed while he was here after, you know, I think if you talk, if you heard Todd Jerome talk, you've heard Kyle talk, like they both kind of weren't crazy about how they performed their first year. Um, but Kyle also had Todd Jerome with him, like barking in his ear, trying to get better. It's like, who's going to, who's going to be there side by side with Carson. Right. Um, so, you know, I don't think it's fair to either one of them. I, I think the potential's there, you know, for Carson to be a very good player, but if you want him to be Kyle guy, that's a big ask. Like, you know, I'd be happy with him settling below that. Cause Kyle guy might be the best shooting guard I've seen, you know, at Virginia. So, well, and I think, I think for McCorkle coming in, I mean, look, I know that there was a lot of conversation about former five star. I don't know. I don't know where that got started. And, and maybe, maybe I quoted somebody who said that, but when he was in the 21 class, he was probably trending there because, and I, and maybe this is a good place. Like when you, when a kid is in a class and, and he has a lot of runway left, there's a, there's an expectation that he's going to get, that he's going to have that extra time to develop so that he will continue to get better, um, that he will continue to, you know, um, he'll, you know, physically he will continue to develop. So there's a, when you switch classes, it does impact your, your ranking. Uh, suddenly you're not, you, you know, you're not one of the best guys who are at that grade. Essentially, you, you know, you've moved up against dudes who are now bigger already. Um, so I understand that that sometimes can, can, can really, you know, get on people's nerves, but that's just sort of the way the world works. Um, uh, we're, we are going to skip a few questions in here simply because some of it's hard to answer just because we don't know the roster. So, you know, the seven or eight uh, rotation players next year, I'm sorry, NJ. I, I got nothing for you when I don't know who the the rest of the dudes are. How good a shooter is Walter Tensai? Evie, I'm sorry. I, you know, he's 47. percent I mean, it, until he plays, that's I don't know how much he can carry of the offense until I see what the rest of the offense is like. Um, so let's go with how good you a football question, which we don't think we've had one really. Uh, how good will UVA be this year with Perkins back? Can they legitimately win the Coastal? I think. UVA is the favorite to win the Coastal. I think, it, and I don't know if it's particularly close. Anybody got any discrepancies with that? Um, I mean, it's Virginia. <laughs> uh, I, I don't think that, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they are the favorites. I don't know if it's like a slam dunk runaway sort of situation. Um, well, the mean, teams in the coastal are pretty close. The thing is, you just have a lot of teams that you're just you can't pick because, or you'd be hard pressed to pick because, like Georgia Tech, going through a coaching change, complete system overhaul. North Carolina, sort of the same thing. Uh, Miami, sort of the same thing, but less so. I mean, they kind of are keeping the same thing going. Um, yeah, so I mean, it's just easier to pick UVA than it has been in the past. I don't know if it's like. If they're not the favorites, I wouldn't be totally surprised. But I guess my point in that is this: I, I would be surprised. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say like if you if you want to make an argument for for somebody else, that's fine. But like immediately, I, I, there's not like well, it's either Virginia or so and so. Like who else is it? Like you could make the argument that Miami, with the changes there and the talent that they'll have, that they will play beyond you know whatever whatever. And that and I honestly I probably wouldn't argue with that. But in terms of if we're gonna call them a favorite, like. Favorite doesn't have to be – it's by an inch or by a mile. You know what I mean? Like Right. Favorite and I think it's more by inches if, if you want That's to fair. do that. That's fair. What, what do you say? What do you think, Dave? Yeah, I mean, I think they'll end up, you know, being voted the, the preseason favorite. My guess is Virginia Tech will probably fall pretty close second just because of history. Right. Um, and – but if you look at the other teams, like you're saying, like you, you can't really legitimately pick Carolina when – 
despite Mac Brown's um, momentum on the recruiting trail. You know, Duke's been good, but they're replacing, you know, one of the greatest quarterbacks of our time. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Um, And Georgia Tech is probably trending differently. I don't know if upward, but they're going to be different. But I don't, you, you can't legitimately pick them. So I think Virginia will be the the media favors. And I think they should be. Um, I mean, you bring back a guy like Bryce Perkins and a, a good chunk of a team that was improving um, as the, you know, that this improved year after year. I mean, I think you can, and it had a good bowl season. I think there's reason to believe they can win it, but I mean, it's hard to see them winning without beating the team that's beat them 15 times. Um, so I think that's what it's going to come down to this year. I'd be I don't know if Tech will be playing for the Coastal when we play them, but I have a feeling that we will have a chance to win it if we beat them. Um, I'm going to skip a few questions in here, so my apologies. I am going to answer one part of who who's Irish's question. How do you plan to cope <laughs> after two years where Virginia basically won like every regular season game, or excuse me, every ACC game at least? Uh, how do you plan to cope when that's not the case this year? Uh, I think I'm just going to point everyone to their national championship gear. That's what I'm going to do. All right, um, last two that we're going to get to tonight. Other than Tony Bennett, who's the most significant hire at UVA? It's Carla Williams, and I don't know if it's close. Anybody got anybody else? Yeah, for me, it's. I mean, I, I can see why you say Carla, but I think it's a little early to say she would be. I mean, I think, I think she'll end up being, but it could potentially be a cold take too. Uh, you know, later down the road. So I think for now, I'm going to give the. I'm going to give the. Um, I'm going to say Craig Littlepage just because he hired Tony and he hired Bronco. Um, and the rest of the programs were pretty remarkable during yes. this. He also year. hired Brian O'Connor. Yeah. So I, mean, okay. I think right now Craig, Craig's a leader in the clubhouse, but um, Carla's, you know, she's firing at yeah, the pins I, on the back nine. If you asked me to bet on what my answer would be in like five years, yeah. I'd probably say her. Um, it, yeah, it's hard to pick an AD who hasn't hired a revenue sport coach yet, right? Um, and Tina Thompson's her only hire as far as, I'm, as, far as I can remember. Yeah, I think so, she hired a softball coach or something. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, Joanna Craig, uh, Joanna right. Harden. Sorry, right. Um, but I mean, I mean, it's a small sample size. I, I think things are certainly trending in the right direction, though. If she can manage to get this uh, this sports facility, the new facilities funded, when you start doing the math on that versus donors, if she can f- figure out how to get that funded and get it done, and football continues to go and basketball continues to go, and she manages to lock down those coaches, even if she didn't hire them, then yeah, I mean. It, I, I think she was a very, you know, forward-thinking hire and uh, refreshing, um, very refreshing after, you know, Craig kind of, at the end of his career, kind of stepped back from the spotlight. Carla is certainly not out of the spotlight, but, um, you know, she's she's at everything, and it, it's fun to see her excitement. I really thought one of you guys would go Craig, and then one of you guys would go Oak. I really thought one of you guys would go O'Connor. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I think that it, that's definitely a, there's a case to be made there, I mean, but it's not, it's not a revenue sport. True, um, true, true. And I think that I mean, I, I think that public perception on Carla is a lot better than it was on Craig Littlepage, especially at the end. But Craig had one of the greatest runs as an athletic director of any athletic director in the country. I mean, look how many trophies they won while he was the athletic director. True. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think the football, uh, I wouldn't say the, fo- well, yeah, I guess you could say the football program at large kind of almost looked neglected by the end of his time, but I think he made a pretty good hire. Um, he might've held on to, to the previous coach a little too long. The facilities obviously needed an upgrade, but they did get an indoor facility done. 
Um, I don't remember if he was there for the end of the Scott Stadium expansion stuff or if that was Terry Holland. Um, I guess it doesn't really matter. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, think he was I, the associate. Yeah, yeah, and he also gets credit. I mean, to some degree for hiring O'Connor. So yeah, that's true. And yeah, I was the only downside to Craig is like I felt like he did. He didn't give football the emphasis it deserved, and whether that was intentional yeah. or just because he had stepped back and like, it's oh, like they wanted a well-rounded athletic department most yeah. of all. And, it's and like, then I know it shouldn't really be that way. I mean, that the football brings the money in for those other sports to succeed. And I know what the listeners will point to, like the uh, the Virginia Tech Bruce Smith thing. Like, yeah, that's kind of hard to swallow. I understand why it happened, but it went a little too much. God, I'd totally forgotten about that, man. God, that was you awful. weren't in the stands. Can, what? Like, can <laughs> you true. remind me of like what that no, was? No, I remember just, it was, no, no, no. We'll no, do it quick. Oh. I mean, it was a year after the shooting. It was a year of the shooting, you know, at Virginia Tech, and mm-hmm. it was like a basically a, we're going to be buddies, and they honored Bruce Smith at halftime uh, at the at Virginia. Mm-hmm. And I remember the game. I remember it happening. I just didn't remember. I just can't context. remember what they. But Virginia Tech pretty much taunted us the rest of the year, and we're like flying banners at our bowl game. Like you can have your. Uh, I can't remember what. God, I wish I could remember the term they used. It was but something yeah. about jocular something. I forget. People no, kept that was casting. Um, yeah, yeah, but it was basically basically Virginia was trying to hold hands with Virginia Tech and tell them we're still thinking about you, and Virginia Tech just took it and buried us with it. Um, it was okay. I don't like that. It was not a buried. good scene. I don't like the optics of buried there. Um, yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Take that back. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, look, you know, I. Is it that's uh, so much so far? It's way, way beyond the pale. All right. Uh, last one. How long does UVA keep Jason Williford and will Brad Soderbergh get another shot at head gig or be happy as a head, uh, as an associate head coach for a long term? Um, all right. I think Williford is every day he's closer, which to me, I, I don't think that he wants to be an assistant. I think he wants to have his own program. I, I think that. That part is well documented. He has now won the championship. He, you know, I, the way he explained it to me, one of his Q and A's was that he would, he wanted to get them over the hump. Well, they're definitely over the hump now. Except now it's like there's all this, you know, new work to be done. And I almost wonder if that's not a good thing for them. Um, I think it's human when you reach the mountaintop to sort of think you're going to stay there, and the, the sort of doomsday scenario that that found them very shortly after they cut down those nets that. I, I'm interested to see the way that that lights a fire under him because there's a there's a you know a very well known at this point you know Tony quote where he talks about how last you know the previous season really lit a fire in him that he didn't necessarily need it but he wanted it and he wanted it more. Now you've got to put the pieces back together. You're not even going to get another, you're not going to get a run at repeating right. You're you're going to have to put the pieces together to just really be competitive and and stay sort of where you were before this run started. Um, I, I wonder if that's not fun, right? If that's not invigorating, if that's not something that he approaches, you know, with a lot of enthusiasm, I still think he wants to run his own program. I wonder though, if the way this all happened, if that doesn't delay it by another, you know, year or so. Um, but I think in all, for all intents and purposes, you know, he is, he's ready. I mean, I don't think there's any doubts in, in my mind. If, when the right, when the right job comes open and comes calling, he'll, he'll go. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think it's the right job thing. Um, Ron Sanchez got – he took a job, but it was a good one. Um, Charlotte, I mean, when I was growing up, they were competitive. They made the tournament, like, 
they were a, a solid program. Obviously, they have all the advantages that you can think of from a recruiting standpoint. That That's a huge recruiting hotbed. And they're in a league that's competitive and takes basketball seriously, but they're not. it's not a league that's impenetrable. I mean, I, I, what, VCU, I guess, was the best team in the A-10 this year, and they lost in the first round of the tournament as like an eight seed. Um, so I don't think that he could he could climb up in that league. And I think that Jason should probably be looking for something similar to that, right? Um, I mean, like the GW job was open this past year, for example, and that's like a it's sort of like a worse version of the Charlotte job, I would say. It's in a big market, but not the same facilities or uh, money or anything like that. I wouldn't say, but if if something at that level, like an A10 sort of level, maybe like a good CAA job came open, I think that he'd be a good fit for it. Um, you know, he's got the recruiting ties he's got the coaching chops he's got the experience at a high major program i think he, he can do it as for soderberg i think he's he's been there and done it now like he coached wisconsin he coached st louis so he might be a little bit more comfortable in this role but i mean if if they if the right thing came along maybe he would be interested yeah i can't i can't speak for either guy because i don't know them but um yeah that's another part of this yeah. we're just <laughs> speculating. but i mean assuming they have you know jay will especially you know um yeah, I don't think eventually he'll get a shot. I'm sure he's gotten offers and and passed on them already. So I think it's a matter of when it's the right one for him. Um, and I don't know how the calculus changes with winning a title. You know, uh, maybe it makes him want to stick around a little longer and try to do it again, or maybe it's you know satisfying and now he wants another challenge. We won't know until we know. Um, but we know that you know the one thing we do know is that Tony takes care of his assistants and they're paid really well. Um, so it's going to have to be the right opportunity. But as a, going back to that first question we addressed, like the more guys who know how Tony does it, who can get out and get some head coaching experience, kind of builds that list you have should Tony make a move de- years down the road. So I'll support him if he goes. And Way to bring it full circle. Yeah, yeah and, and go from there. All right, real quick before we get to our last topic, which – we're at 54 minutes for a, for a May 22nd podcast. I'm impressed, guys. Um, uh, real quick, if you have not already noticed, uh, we are now part of the Fanatics affiliate program, which means if you hit the link that's in the show notes of your podcast app right now, or if you use the link that's inside the content item for this episode, you can not only hook yourself up with plenty of gear from Fanatics, but also help support Cavs Corner of the process. So if you have some more national championship gear you want, or if there's anything else, whether it's you know maybe you want a Brogdon jersey or what have you, uh, NBA, NFL, MLB, college football, college basketball, whatever, whatever sport it is, as long as you get to fanatics.com through the link that's in either this show's show notes or in the content item on the site, however, how, whatever it is you get, as long as you use that link, it's good for us and we very much appreciate it. Uh, last topic of the evening is the retirement of one Chris Long. Um, if it wasn't for Anthony Poindexter, he would be my favorite player of all time. Um, probably the right sort of situations right time for him to, to hang it up um i guess i just wanted to, to talk a couple minutes about it because you know this is obviously the the end of of an era so to speak and and chris has been such a huge ambassador with his water boys program um getting you know having brogdon now with um with what is it hoops h2o um and and everything i i just think that chris is such a and just a just the kind of guy that 
that that you're really glad wear, wore your colors and represents your school and is going to now, I guess, would assume be around the program more often, which which could be a really good thing. Obviously, what do you guys what do you guys think about um, Chris Long hanging it up? I mean, Chris is one of my favorite players. Like, you know, I don't know where I'd rank him, and I'm not going to do that at this time. But he's up there, um, and just you know the. It's such such a rarity to find a player who's that violent on the field, but so like you know can fit into any crowd. Like you, you would see Chris around Charlottesville after a game, or see Howie hanging out when Chris was playing here. And if you didn't know who they were, you just think they're a couple UVA guys hanging out, right? Um, but you know, just him on watching him play was was so was so much fun. You know, some of the, one of my favorite memories, you know, I know everyone will bring up the sack in Maryland, but that's what it was. Like the, the safety, like I was, at, I was at that game and, you know, good players are able to excite their home fans and quiet down the opposing fans. Like great players, like make the opposing fans not cheer, but gasp. And that's what he did on that play. Like a game changing safety. Um, at a time when don't forget Maryland was pretty good at football at that point. Um, I was a, a, a big moment. And then just his career was, you know, he had a, a remarkable career. And I, I know, I know it's a Bronco Mendenhall term, but the and, right? Like Chris Long is the epitome of and. Like he, he's football and so much more. Um, not afraid to be outspoken on controversial topics. Um, won't get into whether you agree with him or not, but, you know, he states his case and he does it. You know, he does it with, you know, with facts and a cool head. And you know, day one of his retirement, he kind of shows it again. So, I'm gonna I'm gonna miss seeing him play. I, you know, he's been kind of hanging at the end of his career. He's, he's put a couple rings on his hand and got a couple more cities to love him. So, um, I'm looking forward to seeing what he does around the program. And, and you know, he just lives right up the mountain from me. So. <laughs> you hang stop out you I, want, still, I, st- I still think he his i don't know if anybody read him but he did uh, a game of thrones recap for sports illustrated I was, I was gonna mention that it was phenomenal they like, were very good i, I always I mean, look forward to reading them as a writer i was like dude like this is some yeah. impressive stuff like, he clearly like did outlines and all kinds of very very good very good work on his part but yeah i mean dave you kind of hit on it i mean he had a he i think honestly he kind of had the perfect nfl career for a guy that wasn't isn't going to go to the Hall of Fame, right? I mean, he was picked really high. He went to a team. He was productive there. At the end of his career, he he went to New England, where you know people collect rings. He ended up in Philadelphia, where much to my chagrin, he won a ring. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that, that it's a cool. It was cool to see him end end his career on competitive teams, like playing kind of a niche role, but a valuable one. Um, it kind of shows you that like rushing the quarterback and quarterback is still so, you know, important in football these days and, and valued. And I think I'm sure he could have played some more if he wanted to, but I think it's cool that he kind of went out on top. Um, not obviously like peaking on the field, but I mean, he didn't, he didn't really have that drop off where it's like, man, this guy is like dead money on our salary cap right now. You know, he, he was productive and useful. And I think he was looking to stay that way if he was going to keep playing. But everything you guys said is true. Uh, a great ambassador for the program and the university off the field. Just great social media presence. Um, really funny guy. Like uh, like Dave said, kind of has things that he cares about and, and it explains 
where he's coming from with those things and, and tries to actually like, you know, impact the world in a positive way. And obviously still cares a lot about the UVA programs. Uh, he was on the court after the national championship game. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think he's, a, he's a guy that can kind of become the celebrity, um, the celebrity player that UVA had like that kind of like around the football program. And honestly, the only reason that that's a thing is because of his off the field, the personality, right? Whether it's his personality on social media or the work that people know that he does or, you know, how he fits in, in the NFL landscape. I mean, his on the field exploits, like he, in the last few seasons, he wasn't like running up crazy numbers or anything. He's not Khalil Mack. Um, but people know him for what he does off the field. He's just as big of a, like, he's a, he's a big name in the NFL. Um, and and I think that he'll continue to kind of represent UVA the right way going forward. Yeah, I mean he won Walter Payton Man of the Year. Like that's right. Yeah, I mean deal, he's right? he's like a he's yeah. like a name people know if yeah. you if you follow football. And it's not necessarily. I mean he had a good career, but it's not because he he's gonna you know like set a bunch of records or anything like that. He got after the quarterback though. He he. I mean if you look at that draft, I think early on in his career you could make a case that he maybe hadn't lived up to the number two pick. But, I mean, if you look back at who got drafted in that draft, he's one of the best players in that draft. Like, Jake Long went first, and Mark Sanchez was a top 10 pick. And, yeah, I, I think he was one of the few guys that – and I think UVA had another top 10 pick in that draft, um, Eugene Monroe, I think. Um, and so – or maybe it was Brandon Albert. I can't remember. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think he, he ended up having a really nice career and, and ended it up with uh, two really good teams and – uh, I mean, I'm sure we're going to hear a lot from him going forward. I just I'm on the podcast. We're, we're, <laughs> I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's got his own at some point. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I, I'm actually sort of afraid that he's going to launch his own. Um, I also, I, we, we just sort of talked about him like he died, um, which, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, sometimes he's about to be living his best life, yeah, if I, know, I had to guess. Right. Um, if you are someone out there who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, look us up on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, wherever it is that you get your show. Give us a rating review. always helps to get us out in front of more people, and we very much appreciate it. If you're somebody who's found the pod but hasn't given us a look, check us out, CavsCorner.com. Right now you can look at, let's see, we got uh, a column that Michael Pittman or Wahoo Basketball on Twitter uh, wrote about the, the title and the validation that it provided and whether or not um, – uh, Virginia fans needed it. You know, in hindsight, that would actually have been a really good topic if we hadn't done the Q and A. Um, also, you can check out that audio from the aforementioned implosion of of U Haul and the comments from Josh Campbell, who is the president of Renaissance uh, Demolition. Um, I thought that stuff was fascinating, and I was like, "Well, I could just write a story," but I thought, you know what? Let's throw the audio up in the feed. Um, is also, there an actual button? Listen, man, that was a good question. I mean, because he had already said that the, all the, the all the ex explosives are timed to the millisecond, right? He didn't say hook to a button. He said time to a millisecond. Now they're gonna probably let Ralph Sampson hit a button, and and it's gonna have to be you know somewhat on time. But I think all that's all those charges are going off regardless. I only um, got one question, Brad. Did Dowdy give you a high five after that question? Dowdy wasn't there. You thought? Did you think Dowdy <laughs> came for the for the for the? What, uh, that was a good question. Uh, oh, I, it was funny, man. I, it was good. I, I, was ha funny. I hate you with passion of twelve sons. <laughs> uh, we've also got some insight from Eric Bossy on the final three for four star guard uh, Keon Johnson. Uh, I caught up with four star offensive line commit Jimmy Chris to talk about 
uh, why he's even more excited to have his decision behind him. And then you can check out the uh, story that uh, I mentioned earlier where I got uh, the audio from um, Clint to, to talk to Carson McCorkle. Talks about his faith in Tony Bennett. Talks about who he wants to bring with him to Charlottesville, which is always a fun question for recruits, obviously. So, again, I want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show. I want to thank Dave and Ferber for giving graciously of their time. As always, I very much appreciate it. My guess is that you two both have the week off next week, so enjoy uh, your time not having to be on a Skype call with me on a Wednesday night. Um, for David Spence, Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.